0: They did a good job on that video, didn't they? (laughs) Did y'all see my belt? (laughs) My, uh, my wonderful wife bought that for me for Christmas. I told her I always wanted a, a belt for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And so I've been telling her that for a while. I wanted one I could put on the wall. And so she got me that for Christmas. Thanks, babe. (laughs) Who knew it would come in so handy? (laughs) (laughs) So if you would, if you turn to uh, Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, verse 15. And I want to preface this by... Asking all of you to do something for me. And I, you know, a lot of times you won't do it for yourself. (laughs) So I'm going to ask you to do it for me. And that is to make a concerted effort to at minimum be here over the next six weeks. There is going to be so much that we are going to touch and talk about and deal with. There are going to be so many answers that are going to come. And here's what's going to happen. Satan's going to work to try to keep you from being here. There's no question. But if you're aware of his plan before it happens, then how many of you know a prepared warrior is an equipped warrior? And so I'm going to ask you and challenge you to do that. And I'm going to challenge you to listen with fresh ears and to realize that there are going to be things that are going to offend and hurt your feelings. There's no question. If it doesn't, you're probably not listening. But what I can say to you is this. This is the, one of the most, in my opinion, the most important subjects that God addresses because it leads to our success. Uh, it is so important for us to discern and understand the things that we are facing today and how God views them and how God responds to it and how he expects you to deal with it. And so when we discern that, I think you will see there will be answers that will come if you let him. Amen. Amen. And so I just challenge you to have an open mind and to hear what the word of the Lord would be and that I would speak those things that are necessary to garner your attention and to help you to grow in the things concerning God. Amen. Amen. Um, It's Genesis 315. I apologize. Is Genesis 2.15? There it is. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And God said it, it is not good for a man that he should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet, or I will make him a help meet for him. I want you to understand that Genesis is the book of beginnings. This is how it all started. And if you ever want to understand God's intent, which I'm hoping that if you're here, you're here because you want to hear what God would have to say. Amen. I have a lot of opinions about a lot of things. But that's not what God would have to say. Are you with me? And so when we look at God's original design, I think we should start from the book of beginnings because this is where it all uh, began. And he says that man should not be alone. I will make a help meet for him. Now, meat is not M-E-A-T, as in a lump of meat. But as meat, in other words, I will make him someone who can help fulfill the vision and the purpose that I've given. And I won and I and I, I lay this distinction out because a lot of times, unfortunately, men think that women are meat as opposed to discerning or understanding that God didn't give you her for you to just sleep with her, not marry her, and not bring her into the vision. Are, are you with me? And they think of her as fulfillment of his sexual or erotic desires and not understanding that she is not there for that purpose, although that includes under the covenant of marriage what she is present for because you are her meat and she is yours wow. under covenant. But the reality is she's a helpmeet to fulfill and to build division. The, the reason why that is significant is because uh, he gave man... Number one, he put him in the garden and gave him his presence. And when a man is in the presence of God, he has the vision of God. He has the purposes of God. He is, in fact, a godly man. That's the first thing that he did. The second thing he did was he gave him a job. Your job is to dress it and to keep it. Or in other words, to provide for it and to protect it. Are are you with me? So then if he is in God's presence, a godly man with a godly vision, and he is providing and he is protecting, then he says that man, it's not good for him to be alone. Not every man. Because there are some men that need to be alone. They need to be alone because they're not after the things of God. They're not interested in the things of God. They're, They're not interested in... What God is doing, that person should be alone, yes, because the only way God can turn that person around is He's got to get a hold of him, yes, and He'll never get a hold of him if you find him with someone who placates his craziness, because he'll make you his God. Right. right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, thank you for those one or two, on. <laughs> Amen's. So then a man who's not doing these things ought to be alone. If, he, if he's about playing video games all day, talking about I just need to de-stress from what? The couch? You went from the bed to the couch and you need to de-stress. Seriously? And vice versa, men looking for a woman, if she's not in the presence of God, then stop trying to go outside of the things of God To drag them into the presence of God. Because here's really what's going to happen. They're going to pull you out. Because if they're not already there, then they're only going to do it for as long as you pretend. (laughs) And I see so many times women, men, will go outside of the presence of God and then try to drag somebody in. Don't you love God? don't you love yeah, I love God as long as you're putting <laughs> out. Ding ding <laughs> you have <laughs> find something else you might like. So then, we know that God took a rib out of Adam. He put Adam to sleep, took a rib out of Adam, and He said that man shouldn't be alone. So He says, "I'm gonna give you one man from the womb of man." Now, what I want you to begin to understand is, from the womb of man, ladies, y'all have a womb. You have one spiritually. You have one literally, and I want you to begin to recognize something. Because this will be the key to a lot of things of your understanding of what we have gone through. If you give a woman sperm, she will produce a child. If you give her groceries, she will produce a meal. If you give her a house, she will turn it into a home. Now, because of your ability To turn things. You have deceived yourself to believe. That you can turn a man. Well. I need some help. But the problem is. The womb is not a transformer. It is a cultivator. So in groceries is a meal. You just are able to bring it out. In a house is a home. You're just able to bring it out. You have to recognize that the reality is that if he has no godliness or vision in him, you are going to incubate and cultivate. See, you fell in love in the beginning. It was cute. He was cute. And then, so, well, some of he looked like a foot, but... <laughs> We knew that something was wrong. But we're like, what, you fell for him? What? Well, why? He ain't got no God. And he looked like a foot? Girl, what? Never mind. So you take, you take this no vision, no godly having person. And what you don't understand is you incubated that into the trouble you have now. And you wholly blame him. (laughs) Come on, (laughs) come (laughs) on, come on! See, you have to understand that just like a child, pay attention. You take a baby, you take sperm, you make a baby, you have a child, and then you raise the child up. And then what is the child supposed to do come on (laughs) y'all you raise your child up they turn 18. (laughs) right they're supposed to leave and then they go find somebody right and they marry that person and they build their life and your relationship changes correct so then why don't you understand When you find a child who you call a man and then you raise him up then you wonder why he leaves you. I done put 25, 30 years into him and he got the nerve. You got the nerve. You chose a boy. Baby all grows up. It's a very serious problem, y'all. And and listen, all relationships have problems. All of them. But not all relationships have elephants. (laughs) See, and the things you don't want to talk about, the things you don't want to deal with, they're like, well, you know, you know, just my man no, let's stop you right there. He's not a man. He's a boy. Because boys play house. Men build them. That's, that's the difference. Boys want to play. They want to get you a promise ring. Promise rings get promised things. You want to give them a promise ring, get you some Play-Doh and make some shapes like food, put it on a plastic plate and hand it to them and say, here's a play house. And a play plate and a play dinner. And until you get serious, I'll get you a real one. But until then, I'm not making you no sandwich. Amen. Go call your mama. That's her job. <laughs> See, here, here's the thing, though. See, here's the thing. Men, y'all like projects. Women, y'all like projects. And the truth of the matter is, The reason why you choose a project is because it's the same reason why you think you don't deserve a new car. It's the same reason why you think you deserve hand-me-downs and leftovers. It's self-esteem related. If there was one thing that I could reach in the back of people's head and pull it out and put something else in, it would be a vision of who you are in God's eyes. Because broken people want broken things. (laughs) See, if I was to give a name to this, it would be called broken windows. Look at somebody and tell them broken windows. See, projects, people who tend to look for a project usually are people whose self esteem is hurt. They came from a home where they had to take care of somebody, whether it be a parent. Instead of the parent taking care of them, they had to take care of the parent. Or maybe a sibling. Or truly just poor self-esteem. And so they look for a project because they don't believe they deserve the quality of person that God said they can have. And what begins to happen is they look for less than because they feel that they're so flawed. Listen to me. That if I found Mr. Right... He would amplify what's wrong in me. So I find somebody less than so that they will never uncover what's wrong with me. The problem with that is the nature of faith and the nature of God is to never bring you something that is not going to be a blessing to you. Satan loves nothing more. If God wants to bless you, he's going to bring a a God-filled man or a God-filled woman to bless your life. If Satan wants to curse you, he's going to bring a devil-filled man and a devil-filled woman to curse your life. And if you are so lonely and desperate that you are unwilling to change check somebody and say, hold on, before we date, before we go anywhere, I want to hear you pray for me. Because if I ask you to pray for me and you start talking about good food, good God, good meat, let's eat. Then you know that ain't the one. And I can save myself a whole world of trouble. I need to hear what comes out of your mouth. Because if you are not a spiritual man, if you are not a spiritual woman, quit playing with me and go find somebody else. Well, Pastor, you know she's just not there yet. Oh, so you evangelistic dating? <laughs> come on, come on. I didn't. I di- I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know that was a thing. Well, you know, Pastor, I'm. Uh, I just, you know. I'm. I'm. I'm so tired of being alone. I'm so. Pastor, you don't know. I mean, I've been, I've been all by myself. I've been wanting and wanting and <laughs> listen. Did you ever stop and think that God loved the other person enough not to give them you yeah. yet? And you so focused on well, if God's going to bring me somebody, and then no, where, where's he going to bring it in the club? See, (laughs) I'm trying, babe. (laughs) See, he or she becomes a reflection of your self-esteem. It's like an eagle who has been raised as a chicken, never knowing they could fly. They're going to cluck like a chicken. They're going to try to date and marry another chicken. Never realizing you are not a chicken. God created you to have healthy relationships. God blessed you to have healthy relationships. God desires for you to have someone who will encourage you to go to church, who will encourage you to serve him. That's right there beside you, not pulling you out of church. Well, you know, why don't we just go to the movies today? Okay, but when you get sick on your deathbed, call the movies. And see if they got a cure for you. See, I'm amazed at how many people do not have the ability to discern the trap that's in front of them because it comes in different shapes and sizes. And he knows exactly what shape and size floats your proverbial boat. And this is why when you date and marry a project... They eventually grow up and move out. Because <laughs> they were your kid. <laughs> I'm not saying that people are perfect. But I want you to go back to the beginning. Do they have a godly vision? Are they in God? Not that you have to pull them into God. Are they in God already? Do they have a job? <laughs> are they willing to protect your home? <laughs> And this is for men and women. If she's not willing to protect your home, then she'll go out there and mingle with anybody. And not protect. <laughs> if you learned to date according to your future, you would begin to make different decisions. Because if he can live with you and not marry you, <laughs> No, I, no, let me let me let, let me show it to you. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter six, verse twelve. First Corinthians chapter six, verse twelve. Say amen when you get there. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. In other words, I can do whatever I want to do. He said, but not everything is profitable. Or in other words, not everything helps me. I can do it, but that don't mean it's going to bless me or help me. He then says, all things are lawful for me, but the things that I do that don't bless me, I will not be brought under the power of those things. What people don't understand is when you get into a relationship that's outside of God, you know God ain't even in it. Well, he's perfect except for the God thing. Really? There's nothing else. There's nothing else. I don't care how cute. I don't care what your measurements are. I don't care how short your skirt is. I don't care how debonair and handsome, how tall you are. If you ain't got God, we don't have nothing to talk about. Ever. Ever. Because without God, nothing is possible. And more importantly, I will not be brought under the power of anything that isn't God. And this is what he's saying. He said, all things are lawful. I can do whatever I want. But all things won't bless me. Now watch for you. Verse 13. How many of you would agree with me that verse 13 follows verse 12? So it's likely in the same conversation. Meats for the belly, belly for the meats. But God shall destroy both it and them. Now, the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord. And the Lord is for the body. And God has raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. Um, Just because these words aren't used all the time, let me give you a definition for fornication. Just in case. Nobody knows what that is. And maybe somebody online don't know. So be patient because of them. It's when you have sex with a person, whatever form of sex you want to call it, whatever variety of it you want to call it, with a person you are not married to. Yeah, right. Come on. Married. Come on. Not, oh, that's my wifey. Right. <laughs> I've seen people say, oh, it's our anniversary. You don't have an anniversary if you ain't married. Right. What's your anniversary of sinning against God? That's your anniversary? So anyway, let's celebrate that. You ready? Verse 14. And God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. Verse 15. Would you say verse 15 comes after verse 12? Good. Know ye not that your body are the members of Christ? Shall I then take members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? A prostitute? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to a prostitute is one body? For two, saith he, shall be what? One but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. So verse 18. Flee fornication, every sin that man doeth without, without the body. Every sin every sin that a man doeth is without his body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are brought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. He says to be with a prostitute or to sleep with someone who sleeps with a lot of people is to join your body with this person. And he says, Know ye not that your body belongs to God? So then whatever you do with your body, God is in the midst of that. And despite whether you turn the lights off or not, (laughs) he's still there. And he's saying, how could you do this to your own body and not think anything of it? And I think the interesting piece of this is to then not realize you become one with that person. And you become one with who that person became one with the night before. Or the week before. Or the month before. And all of this is going on. And then we wonder why then we stand before the man of God. And we're about to get married and we can't bring all of ourselves to the situation. And, and we're wondering why we're not getting all of it. I just don't feel like, you know, she's really here. She's not. She's Swiss cheese. (laughs) Tom, Dick, and Harry are still holding on to his pieces. (laughs) I just don't feel like he really—he's given himself to me. No, because he got all notches. Ephesians five. Ephesians five twenty-five. Now, remember, he said, every sin that a man does is without his body. He said, but the real problem is the one he does with his body. And I think people don't think, they think it's no big deal, because they watch the world. The world, you know, here's what happens, right? You have a highly tense situation, you have a bad day, what do you do? You find somebody, you go have sex, and all the problem goes away. That's how it's in the movies. That's not how it is in real life. Because if you don't handle it properly, you'll walk away with more problems and baggage, and critters, and stuff, <laughs> that you got to get injections for, and take medication for, and some that you can't, there is no medication for it, unless you're Magic Johnson. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> pastor did him dirty, Ooh. listen, it is what it is. You ready? 525. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. He gave himself for it, that he may sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he may present it to himself, a glorious church, having spot, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So it meant to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife, loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it, even as the Lord loved the church. It's interesting how in Corinthians he said, what you do to your body shows your understanding of your body. And then he says in Ephesians, husbands, love your wives the way you love your own body. But what you ain't figured out yet is, because I've had many, many a spouse come to me and say, my spouse cheated on me. What's wrong with me? That's what they'll say. What did I do wrong? I'm like, nothing. They hate their own body. They hate themselves. It ain't in you. It's in them. Anybody who can be married and then go out and put themselves out there with somebody else has to hate themselves. He said every other sin you do without your body. This particular one you do with your body. He said you have no idea, which means you have no fear and regard for God to do with your body What doesn't belong to you, it belongs to God. So if he has no respect for God, if she has no respect for God, what makes you think he or she can love you? When he says, love your wife like he loves his own body. So if he hates his own body, he's going to hate his wife. If she hates her body, she could care nothing about her husband. This is why Paul and Jesus When they spoke about relationships, they said infidelity was such a big issue. This is why they said it, because it's like if you can't stake soul. Listen, some of you here. Here's what you do, right? You hear stuff talking about relationships, and you sitting there, you're married, and you're like, "See, he talking about her. He talking about him. No, I'm talking about you." (laughs) And then you think, see. This is my get-out-of-jail-free card. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because if you're in a relationship that is not under covenant, you have a get-out-of-jail-free card already. But if you're in a relationship under covenant, God expects you to work it out. God expects you to pray together. God expects you to seek help and to fight for your marriage and to do whatever it takes to make it right in his eyes because you're already under covenant. If he wasn't the one, you should have never married him. If she wasn't the one, you should have checked it in the dating stages because dating is for data, not for sexing him up. He's an idiot, but the sex sure is good. Well, listen, let me know how that's going to work out for you. Because it all changes, it all rearranges. Don't make me go there. What used to be up here, over successive periods of time, used to have a six-pack, now you got a two-liter bottle. Working on a cake. <laughs> Watch what he says. For we are members, verse 30, for we members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bone. For this cause shall a man leave his what? Uh-huh. And? Father. And shall be joined unto his? And the two shall be? Flesh. This is a great mystery. <laughs> this is a great mystery. He said, this is a very powerful thing that people just don't seem to understand. Why would he spend all his time having these discussions about these types of things if it wasn't important? See, if you loved your body, yourself, the Bible says to love God with all your heart All your mind, all your soul. He said, and then the second thing is like in the first, love your neighbor as you will love yourself. Uh If you love yourself, and people are like, well, what's wrong with me? What what did I do to make her cheat? What did I do to make him cheat? Nothing. He don't love himself. She don't love herself. Everybody say broken windows. Mark chapter uh, 12. No, Isaiah 3. Isaiah 3, verse 5. And the people shall be oppressed, every one by another. And every one by his neighbor. The child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient. And the base against the honorable. When a man shall take hold of his brother. Of the house of his father saying. Thou hast clothing. Be thou our ruler. And let this ruin. Everybody say broken broken windows. Be under thy hand. In that day. Shall he swear saying. I will not be a healer. For in my house is neither bread nor clothing. Make me not the ruler of people. Now, I'm going to read something else along the same line in just a second. But I want to give you a history. God is dealing with Israel. And they are in ruin. They are in absolute chaos. They are experiencing trouble. And he's saying, y'all have gotten so desperate that you're willing to find any person and say be our ruler take care of me because everything's in such shambles everything is in such ruin so I'll just take anybody I'll look around the house hey you got some clothes why don't you be the boss why don't you be the ruler why don't you be my wife why don't you be my broken windows and so here he's talking about how they have responded to the chaos So then, let's go to Isaiah 4, verse 1. In that day, how many of you know verse 4 follows, or chapter 4 follows chapter 3? In that day, seven women shall take hold of what one man, saying, we will eat our own bread, we will wear our own apparel, only let us be called by thy name to take away our approach. In other words, I don't need anything from you other than I just want to be with you so I don't have to be alone. So I don't need you to have a godly vision. I don't need you to protect. I don't need you to have a job. I don't care if you play video games all day. I don't want to be alone. And so seven women have become so desperate that they chase after one man and tell him he doesn't have to be what he's supposed to be. I'll take you as you are. If you're a bum, I'll take you. If you're a nobody, I'll take you. If you don't care about God, I'll take you. If you don't go to church, I'll take you. I don't care. All I know is I am struggling because I've got broken windows and I need somebody. And I don't care how desperate I get. I'll take whatever little piece you are willing to give me. Because I have no commandments, requirements, or or, or or expectations of you. Just be present and keep me warm at night. Just be present. I don't care if you go keep somebody else warm. We'll just keep that our little secret. But take away the approach. Let me be called by your name. <laughs> there is a uh, a theory. Because some of you wonder why I keep saying broken windows. There's a theory. It's called the broken windows theory. And it is used by city planners, government agencies, and the premise is this. If you have a building or locations in a city that are run down, if you leave it tagged with graffiti, if you leave the windows broken, because it's broken, it will incite more crime, just because you refuse to repair. So they did a study. They put a car, same car, one in New York, one in LA. The one in New York, they smashed the window. They put it up on a, on a, on a uh, stilt, on a uh, cinder block, removed one of the tires. And the other car, they left it in pristine condition, closed up, sitting on the street. Within a week, the car in New York was stripped. The car in L.A. was untouched. So then everybody says, oh, that's just because that's New York. So then they went and they bashed a window in in the one in L.A. and put it on a cinder block. And within a week, that car was destroyed. And they... They began to realize when you have broken windows, you attract criminals. You attract greater crime. You attract, see, because you won't fix your problem. You won't deal with the fact that your self esteem is so low that you would take anybody. You won't fix the broken windows. And because you won't fix the broken windows, your broken windows attract people who are only coming to do greater harm. Now you found yourself, you're not serving God, you're not attending church anymore, you're not, and you're oblivious to the fact you got broken windows. And he said, but if you want to clean up the city, you start getting the trash. You start cleaning up the windows and fixing the windows, getting rid of the graffiti and making it appear to be. And you have no idea that when Jesus hung on the cross, the very thing that he did was to pick you up and fix your windows and to fix you up in a way that made you better than what you ever were before so that you would be seen as the righteousness of God, that you would be seen as him in the flesh so that you wouldn't have to go and lower your standard to be abused and accosted by people who had no spiritual discernment. You weren't meant. See, the Bible says he had joined himself to the citizens of that country. And when he came to himself, he said, not father, servants, are living better than I'm living. He's over here eating huffs and pea pods and all kinds of crazy things with the pigs. Finally, he said, I'm going to go home to my daddy. And what I'm trying to get you to understand is I don't care what the world has told you you are. You still have a daddy who wants the best for you, who is standing with open arms and says, listen, come unto me, all those are weary and laden. I will give you rest. I will put you where you fit. I will clean you up. Put his robe on him. Gave him a ring. Put his sandals on him. him up and said, listen, you are my child. Stop acting like a pig. Because when you begin to realize who you are, you will expect. You got to be careful when nasty becomes normal. You have to be careful what God will spit out of his mouth. You are taken. So you remember the man they laid at the gate? Beautiful. So they laid him there every day. They dropped him down. So when Peter came walking by, he's begging. And they said, look at us. We don't have silver and gold. He said, but what we got, I'll give you. See, when you do something every day, You become used, and nasty becomes normal. See, they put them there every day, begging, every day, begging, every day, begging. See, when you start doing things every day, you you have no idea what you're teaching yourself, what you're teaching your children, what you're teaching. You have allowed nasty to become normal. And then all of a sudden, it's okay now. It's not okay because God said it was okay. It's okay because you become normal. And the reality is God has many things to say. And the reality is, if it doesn't check our lives, there's a problem. Look at what he says, Hebrews (laughs) 13.4. Aren't you glad you came today? Hebrews 13.4. In the Message Bible. Honor marriage. And guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between what? Wife and? God draws a firm line against casual and illicit sex. You know what illicit means? Against his rules. (laughs) I've seen people violate this and then wonder why things are just not quite where it's supposed to be. And they think somehow God, he's saying he draws a firm line. They think, oh, it's, it's, you know, he understands my heart. That's why you ought to be nervous. That's why it ought to concern you. That's why you ought to look at him who's willing to violate you against God's will every single night. And think not enough of you to say she deserves better. But he can't do that because he don't love himself. So then you're like, well, I don't understand. Mm -hmm. What what, what don't you understand? If they don't, if she doesn't love herself enough, not to keep giving to you what you ought to be buying. Uh (laughs) Can I tell you how many times, (laughs) how many times I have been in spiritual guidance with, you know, people who are unmarried. And I'll say, the first thing you're going to do if you're going to stay in in guidance with me, you're going to stop having sex. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, he doesn't seem to want to get married. and I don't understand why she don't want to get married. She's dragging her feet. You know what y'all going to do? You're going to stop having sex. Mm -hmm. Never fails. A month later, hey, we ready to get married. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Because your dumb self didn't know then why buy the cow if I can get the milk for free? It don't take a highly spiritual person to tell you that. Well, what if I lose them? Bah. <laughs> Have a nice life. Auf Wiedersehen. Arrivederci. Deuces. Peace. Hasta mañana. (laughs) See, see, but but see, you got to be secure. And that's why I said people from broken homes don't have a daddy, don't have a mama, don't have a good relationship with their daddy or their mama. (laughs) They they don't know what love looks like. So they're desperate to hold on to what they should be letting go of. Look, 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 look at this, look at this. Look, 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 look at this. Ezekiel 16, 31. Look at somebody say, brace yourself. Brace yourself. Look at somebody else say, brace yourself. brace yourself. Okay, you've been warned. Twice. Ezekiel 16, verse 31. In that thou buildest thy eminent place in the head of every way and makest thy high place in every street. And thou hast not been as a been as harlot, in that thou scornest hire. In other words, if you were like a, a, a prostitute, you would want to get hired out. He said, but you're not even as smart as the prostitute. You don't even want to get hired out. Watch what he says. Told you to brace yourself. But as a wife that committeth adultery, which taketh strangers instead of her husband. They give gifts to all whores, but you give gifts to your lovers, and hired them, (laughs) that they may come unto thee of every side for your whoredom. He said, in other words, smart women got it together. I ain't saying she's a gold digger, but she got it clear that he's supposed to bring the gifts to me. He said, you ain't even smart enough to get the relationship straight. you bringing gifts to him. I told told you to brace yourself, didn't I? Okay, good. Keep going. And the contrary is in thee from other women in thy whoredoms. Whereas none followeth thee to commit whoredoms, and in that thou givest the reward, and no reward is given unto you. Therefore, you are contrary. He said, you can't even get... Listen, if you're going to go give it out... (laughs) Somebody said, well... I look to the hills (laughs) where my help comes from. Come on. He said, if, if, at minimum, if you're going to do it, that. <laughs> he said, but you got it all mixed up. Oh. <laughs> oh, God. Lord, help me. Wherefore, O harlot, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, because thy filthiness was poured out, and thy nakedness discovered through thy whoredoms with thy lovers, and with all the idols of abominations, and by the blood of thy children, which thou didst give unto them. Behold, therefore, I will gather all thy lovers, and whom thou hast taken pleasure, and all of them that thou hast loved, with all them that thou hast hated, I will even gather them round about against thee. And will discover thy nakedness unto, un- nakedness unto them that they may see all of thy nakedness. See, people don't understand. God said, I'm going to bring confrontation to you. And the confrontation is the catalyst, mm-hmm. it's supposed to be the catalyst. See, people think they don't have to reflect on themselves when dealing with God. And this is one of the things that I'm telling you has pervaded perversely into the world today that you can still love God. And not check yourself. That's, that's, the, that's the thing. Oh, I, I love God. You sure? Why doesn't your life look like you love God? Why do you act? You don't act like you love God. Because if you love really, I mean love God, it would bother you. you. You might not listen. You might be in a situation right now where you're like, you know what? I really shouldn't be doing this. I know I shouldn't be doing this. And I, I, I'm not trying to get you condemned. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. If you're with somebody and it don't even bother them, something's wrong. And I don't mean they tell you it bothers them. I mean you really know that it bothers them because they're moving towards marriage. I had a conversation one time, and they were like, "Well, you know, I'm trying to wait talking for to talk the r- get a uh, four Go to the gumball machine. Get you a cigar band." You can order a ring off of Amazon for $10. Because when you start thinking about value of the ring, you lose the value of the marriage. So many people spend so much time planning a wedding that they forgot to plan the marriage. Because there's nothing worse than being divorced and still paying And if you wish somebody Listen, when 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 I proposed when I proposed to my wife, she had saw this ring. It was a yellow, uh, canary yellow um, it wasn't a diamond, it was a it was just a, a ring that looked like a diamond. But it wasn't a real you know, gold. It wasn't it was just a ring, but it had a real big yellow gold. And I said, So when I proposed to her, I pulled that ring out. Hundred and forty nine dollars. And I said, baby. I ain't quite there yet, but I'm going to get there. I said, and this is the best I can do right now. Come on now. That's, that's so good. And she took it and she put it on. And she said, it's beautiful. Yes, I'll marry you. I then I reached in my other pocket. <laughs> I don't know what you heard about me. <laughs> so I reached in my other pocket. <laughs> and I said, here's the real one. <laughs> Bing! <laughs> listen, listen, listen. If, 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 if you are somebody that that's what matters to them, you, you ought to change rooms. Yeah. Yeah, because see, the covenant is what matters to God. This is why He said, "Be not unequally yoked." Well, let's let's go there. We got a yeah, couple, two, three minutes, don't we? No, let's go to. Uh, <laughs> we got time. <laughs> Some of y'all are like no, we don't. <laughs> I had it with you. <laughs> um, let's go to Second Corinthians. Chapter six. <laughs> that was Amen and Baby," just in case you didn't know. And the NIV, please. Verse uh, 14. Second Corinthians 6:14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Now listen, this word unbelievers." Everybody say unbelievers? What? This is the same word in Matthew 18 when it says if you go to your brother and they refuse to hear you and correct themselves, treat them like. Most people think if I ask her, hey, you believe in God? Oh, yeah, sure I do. That she's a believer. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about do they believe the way you believe. See, you, you, you have, he used to be serving all the time. He was serving at church. He was working in the sound. He was working in security. He was serving every Sunday, every Wednesday. He had a little program going. And then here she comes. And then you say, well, you go to church? Oh, yeah, I go to church. What church? And they'll give you one. Never asking the second question. It's the second question that bites them every single time. Oh, what did your pastor preach on last week? That's right. <laughs> oh, uh-rah, uh uh-ra. Oh, he taught an uh Oh, okay. No, because see, an unbeliever, he wasn't talking about are they saved? He said, are they a person who operates in what they believe? That's why he said, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Now, here's wickedness, right? The word wicked. You ever seen wicker furniture? Yeah. Anybody wicker furniture? You know why wicker furniture is called wicker furniture? It's because it's wicked. It's, it, wicked means twisted. So when you get with somebody who's twisted, it don't take all that to serve God. You ain't got to do all that. We can go to any church we want to. They're twisted. And you who have known better, all up until you met their narrow behind, all of a sudden, hmm, yeah, I guess maybe, well, maybe it doesn't matter. Watch what he says. What harmony is there between Christ and the devil? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between a temple of God and idols? for we are the temple of the living God as God has said, I will live with them and walk among them I will be their God and they will be my people, therefore come out it says evangelistically date them until they come around huh as my, as my dad used to say, huh hey. <laughs> Come out from them, my wife, my wife hates that, by the way. She'll so, say, so I'll go, huh? So, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean, touch, oh, okay, so we just have sex, but we can't touch it. No, no, no. <laughs> touch no unclean thing, and I, <laughs> any relationship that caused us to sacrifice our relationship with God, is twisted. Any relationship that causes us to have to doubt what we've already known, we didn't come all the way this far. Then all of a sudden, here comes this struck match. Here she comes, this chicken eater. You know it. Don't take all that. All of a sudden, she a theologian. Ain't spent not never a bit in church, but she's now a theologian. Well, you know, it just, I just don't. Yeah, you know, I, I just, it doesn't take all that. And, and, and because you are looking at the wrong things. You're led with sex. <laughs> so now you got a soul tie. Now you can't see it no matter who tells it to you. So now you, you, your parents are dealing with you differently, your spiritual parents are dealing with you differently. Your relationships with your friends are all starting to change. Because of this one person. And you ain't smart enough to see how deep you really are. If it has to cause you to change all of that, how could it possibly be God? God fought so hard to get you out. You, you, you ready? Mark 7, verse 15. Mark 7, verse 15. We got them on a run now, y'all. You ready? <clears throat> <laughs> Beware of false prophets, for they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them how? Matthew seventeen 15? Um, 7, 15, I'm sorry. 7, 15. What did I say? I meant Matthew, I apologize. That's why y'all looking at me like, where are you at? I'm over here. I'm running out of time, so I'm rushing. So because I want to get y'all out of here on time so y'all don't be like, That preacher good, but he winded. Trying to Blessed are the short winded, for they shall be invited back. So, Matthew seven, fifteen. There we go. Beware of false prophets, which come to your sheep's clothing, but then were they raveling wolves. Ye shall know them how? Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree can not. It might. It's just waiting on me to get there. Because I can change her. Oh no, I can change her. He said a good tree cannot bring forth the ill fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Keep going. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the how do you know them? By the fruits. Right? So here's their fruits. Do they tithe? This would be a question I would ask on a first date. Do you tithe? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. How much? Two reasons. I want to know how much you make. And I want to know if you can add. Do you serve? What do you mean? Yeah, do you serve in your church? You know, do you serve? That's what people do. They serve. Do you serve? Um, Well, you see, what had happened was strike two. Do you attend? Well, you know, I mean, we, we, I wanna, I'm, I'm a CME member, Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter. <laughs> yeah, strike three, you're out. Do they have fruit? Fruit will tell you. If, you. if you have become a fruit inspector, see, some of you keep watching what people say, and you're not watching what they do. So you meet him out in the club, and you're like, oh, girl, you know, my Mercedes is in the shop, so I'm driving this hoopty right now. Okay, well, call me back when your Mercedes is the shop. <laughs> because if they don't have fruit, like I told you, ask them to pray for you. I, I remember <clears throat> there was a pastor in California. He wanted me to come out and preach. And I said, do you want me to send you some references, whatever? He said, no, I don't need none of that. He said, all I want you to do is pray for me. He said, and how you pray will tell me everything I need to know about you. Wow. I was like, that's all? He's like, yep. I said, like, let's get it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, we went in. And I prayed. And I mean, I prayed for him. I prayed over him. I prayed over the church. I mean, by the time I was done, he was like, when you coming? <laughs> I said, when you want me? See, you can tell a lot by something so simple. Yeah. And, and you can't cue him in at first. You gotta, you got, that's one of the things you got to right. hit him with. You know what? Do me a favor. Could you just pray for me? I'm not feeling so hot right now. And then inspect the fruit. See, (laughs) one time, years ago, B.C. For me, B.C. B.C. You know what that means? Before Christ? right. So I was in a club in Philadelphia. And uh, leaders in the underground Boys and men were there, and my cousin's a DJ. He's a, uh, a hip hop DJ and very well known hip hop DJ. And so I was with him, and this guy came up talking about he could sing. You know, the first thing they said to him, let me hear it. He, you know, because they, you know, people trying to pass their demo tapes. And he said, okay, let me hear it. He goes, here's my demo tape. He said, no, let me hear it right now. Because they want to know not only. Can you sing, you know, where there might be some auto-tune? I want to hear you right now, and I want to know, can you perform under pressure? Because not only do I need to know if if you can sing, I need to know, can you perform? See, if I got broken windows, that don't matter. I just need you to let me call you by, call me by your name. I don't want nothing from you. And I invite more into my life. Then I should watch. Watch, <laughs> watch the show, uh, whew, man. Okay, check this out: Genesis sixteen. Oh God! Hebrews twelve one. <laughs> then we go into Genesis sixteen. Hebrews twelve one. If we can put that in a New Living Translation. Hebrews 12.1, New Living Translation. You ready? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God set before us. Not the race you decided on but the one that God set before you. And you know what's interesting? He didn't say anything really about the sin so much. He said the weight of it. See, a lot of times, if if God brought somebody in your life that caused everything to come to a screaming halt almost instantly, you'd spot it. So what they have to do is weight you down as you're running the race. So you was getting it. Then all of a sudden, you're like, And the weight is just piled on. And she's become a weight to you. Now now you know you stop coming to church, you're coming every other Sunday. Then you're not coming really at all. Then it's Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter, and then we don't see you anymore. Slow progression. Weight. He said, Be careful of the weight. Be careful of the things that you had you had it together. Your spiritual parents, your natural parents, your friends, everybody was cool until this person came. Then all of a sudden, people trying to talk to you, tell you, listen, you know, you're missing it. And instead of avoiding him, you're avoiding them. <laughs> because you have allowed the weight to slow your race down. Now you're not, in, you're not even connected like you used to be. You're sitting on the outside, looking in, wondering how did you get out there? You was not out there before. And the only thing that changed was her. <laughs> Which is why he said, don't let these things slow you down. Get out of these relational liabilities. Because, see, if you are with the right people, see, if you, if you connected with the right set of friends, uh-huh. the right set of friends would be like, come on, girl, let's get it. Yeah. we going to church today, we're going to hear us a word. Oh, yeah. don't know, I'm like, tired, right, girl, get your act together. <laughs> I'll come pick you up if I got to. Come on, we going." You will have no idea what God has in store for you. That's how people who are equally yoked talk to each other. I don't want to go there. They, 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 they just, they different. I want to go somewhere where nobody knows my name. <laughs> Why? You're embarrassed to me or you're embarrassed to you? Dun 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 dun. <laughs> why? 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 What, what happened? What, what happened? I I I I I know where I'm joined. Yes, yes. This is why we talk. We have been talking about this for the last what two three weeks. Yeah. Knowing where you joined. Yes, Wherever your supply is, it matters. Right. It absolutely matters. Yes, anyway, I'm I'm am I got three minutes. So let's let's Genesis sixteen. Genesis sixteen verse one. <laughs> <clears throat> now Sarah, Abram's wife, had not been able A New Living Translation, Genesis 16 one, uh, Had not been able to bear children for him But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar So Sarah said to Abram The Lord has prevented me from having children Go and sleep with my servant Perhaps I can have a children through her Abraham agreed with Sarah's proposal He's like, you want me to do what? <laughs> <laughs> who's, the, who's the promise on? Abraham and not this Egyptian woman. No. Right? You want me to do what? Uh, go sleep with my oh okay. Well if you insist <laughs> Abraham agreed with Sarah's proposal. That was, that didn't take long. <laughs> so Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, to the Egyptian servant, gave her to Abram, his wife. This happened ten years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan, so Abram had sexual relations with Hagar and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarah, with contempt. She's her servant. She puts her in a position to have sex with her husband. Now she's pregnant, walking around. Sarah, you want to feel it? See, Sarah, you ain't half the woman I am. You know her character's off. By how she's handling. He should have been like. No. (laughs) God promised it to us. Me and you. Are the ones who are blessed. I'm not bringing somebody. From the outside. Who's obviously character stinks. Right. Okay. So the first thing you can understand. In all of this is. Who initiated that whole thing? You can't help God. You can only obey God. How do you know it's a problem? When you started it. <laughs> How do you know it's a problem? You started it. You don't want to send in winks across the room. You ain't checked nothing about this person. Well, I, I, we, we <laughs> can I help you with something y'all I, I have to add a disclaimer I am not saying that you cannot successfully date online what I am saying to you is you have to investigate first because who they are online I've asked my wife sometimes I'll be going through Facebook I'm like Who is this on my timeline? I don't know this person. I'd be like, that's so and so. You know how old people do, right? (laughs) If you do that, yes, you are old. (laughs) And then they go, I'm like, that's who? I'm like, that's witchcraft. That's got to be a filter. Or a picture from 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> My point is, yes. you got to investigate. And I'm telling you, one of the biggest things that happens, particularly with this genre of online, is I can be anybody I want to be right. online. Yeah. <laughs> good. I'll move on. Because you know the Bible says if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Yeah. Willing and obedient. Yeah. Not willing and help me. Yeah, right. <laughs> obedient. Obey him. Right. Not help. You don't have to get involved in help. Because if you get involved in help, it's going to be... See, God had told him and her, I'm going to give you a child. Yeah. But see, broken windows mm-hmm. will get you to start trying to help God and you'll be inviting things into your life that you should not invite into your life you'll be inviting problems into your life that you should not invite into your life and then you're in the midst of the struggle wondering how did I get here and it was because you decided you would help God along broken windows you refuse to address your self esteem and your daddy issues your mama issues And now you've got greater crimes happening in your life because you wouldn't fix your broken windows. You didn't think it was important to fix the things that were wrong in you so you could teach your daughters and your boys, your young boys, how to be a man, how your daughters to be a woman, and how, more importantly, how a woman should be treated and how a man should be treated. So you perpetuate a cycle that is hurtful, leads to poverty, because you got broken windows. And you ride by them every day. Oh, it's just a broken window. We'll board this up. It's too much work to fix that. We'll just put something over it. We'll sweep it under the rug. Broken windows. You did well. Maybe I'll help God along. Besides, I, I've been you know we've been waiting for this child for I don't know how long. We'll 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 come up with our own plan. Broken windows. You're thinking. Maybe if I just stay in a relationship long enough, he'll come to love me the way I want to be loved. Broken windows. All you're inviting is more crime, more problems, more troubles. You over here, why am I not good enough for him? Why why, Why doesn't he just see me for who I am? Because you're looking through a broken window. And everything looks broken through a broken window. You're wondering, uh, you know, how can I salvage this? How can I fix this? You ever think maybe it, it, it just can't? Well, God can do everything except override you. <clears throat> God can fix anything except your broken window. <laughs> I, I am pleading with you. I am begging you to so please hear me. Because all jokes aside, broken windows are very serious. When you don't see yourself, when you realize that, hey, wait a minute. If he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, I'm a king. I'm a queen. I should be treated this way. I should be valued this way. I should be esteemed this way. I should be supported this way. Anything that pulls you away from the plan of God cannot be God it's a broken window Amen. it's funny how verse, uh, Genesis 21 verse 8 and I promise you I, I am done I just want you to see one thing verse 14 21 Genesis 21 verse 14 no let, let's do 8 I'll, I'll, I'll read it fast you ready let's go to 8 21 8 you ready And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. Wherefore, said she unto Abraham, cast this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. God said unto Abraham, let it not be grievous in the sight because of the lad. Because of the bondwoman, and all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And also the son of the bondwoman, I will make a nation, because he is your seed. Verse 14. She says, listen, this woman we should have never done this with, and her child is mocking my child. Character. she said throw her out now here's Abraham you know this is this now his woman (laughs) now you want me to choose between you and her you gave her to me you permitted her now she's talking bad the son is mocking our other son and now you want me to deal with it and it says he was very angry the Lord said listen Get rid of her. I'll take care of your son. I'll take care of your child. He said, but she's got, she does have to go. Because the thing you birthed that was not of God cannot live in the same place as the plan of God. That thing you contrived. I'm not talking about natural children. I'm talking about the thing you birthed cannot live in the plan of God. So it's got to go. And Abraham thought about it for two weeks. Abraham sulked about it, laid in bed. Oh, I love her. God, please, God, don't make me get rid of her. I think she's the one. This is why he's called the father of the faith. Abraham rose up early in the morning. He didn't kick her out with nothing. He took some bread. (laughs) Gave her some water. (laughs) This is where you go home. You're like, girl, you got to go. So I'm going to give you some stuff. Here's some money. (laughs) I'm going to bless you on the way out, but you got to go. Quickly. And he sent her away. And she And wandered in the wilderness. (laughs) Because she wasn't his responsibility. She ultimately was God's. And God said, I'll take care of her and your child as soon as I can get them away from you. Because she's been depending on you. Which made her not depend on me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Father God. <laughs> I thank you that we begin to recognize within our own life broken windows. Yes. We begin to discern and understand the things that are not helping us at all. That we would not leave ourselves in disrepair. That we would not leave ourselves to be victimized over and over again because of the broken windows in our lives. That we would seek after you to heal and to mend and become whole. To not accept and expect anything less. To not accept or expect anything less than your best for our lives that we would be able to build healthy and strong relationships. Lord, and I speak to the marriages that are going through it, that we would begin to come together and expect under the covenant that there is divine help, there's supernatural assistance because we are in covenant one with another. That you would move in such a mighty way to bring reconciliation, hope, help, and healing. Because after all, that's what you do. You can fix all things, Lord. And so we believe you to move. We believe you to bless your people. We believe you that by the Holy Ghost, you'll, you'll use this to help the individuals here to hear what they need to hear and to rise up early and move in it and watch you be God. Whew my God, my God. As there are many of us that struggle with broken windows, we thank you that through your strength, we have the ability to repair them all. (laughs) All we have to do is stay with you. All we have to do is keep our eyes fixed on you. And your word tells us we'll have perfect peace Because we love your word, and we love you. We thank you for it right now in Jesus' name. And all the believers in the house said, Amen. 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 Isn't God good?